And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me on the line is Robert Larson. He comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, Heather. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. Um, last election, or maybe the one prior, Wildemar actually passed a ballot initiative that required two-thirds votes to raise taxes to uh, build more parks. And that was a two-thirds majority since you were, it was like a, a tax question. And despite that passing, they're still under the state quota for parks in a city. Um, so how are they going to get above the state quota? Yeah, I don't know that they're necessarily dragging their feet or if it's just a natural process of how these things take as far as the the tax measure being passed and then the revenues actually being available and then the planning of the park. So it seems like it's at that point now the revenue has become available or it's being seen on the horizon and therefore can be spent. Um, so I think that we're there and so now they're they're involved in a lot of the planning but the, the thing that's really interesting about it, Heather, is just the numbers. And I know we've gone over it a little bit in the past because the thing that was interesting, I think when we first talked about this issue with Wildemar, it was like they had, it was either zero or one open park. I think it was maybe one open park. There were only three parks that existed in Wildemar, and uh, one was open. And this was when the budgets were really bad and this a few years ago. So now things have improved a bit. In this, it was a Measure Z that uh, we passed in uh, 2012, 2012, uh, 69% approval. That's uh, two percentage points more than the two-thirds required. So people weren't, uh, I mean, overall, that's a really big, uh, pa- passed by a large margin, 69%. But when it requires two-thirds, it just barely squeaked over. So people are generally in favor of it. Um, so what, uh, let's see. There's about $350,000 coming in the, the new surge. So it wasn't just a tax measure, uh, a tax, a property tax people would be paying. It was a slight increase there, but it was also this thing of developers, a fee from developers. Because there's a lot of new development going on in Wildemar with the big picture economy sort of doing better than it was in 2008. So developers pay this fee that goes towards parks. It's the idea being if you're adding more residences, we need more parks. It's kind of really logical that way. And but the thing that the numbers that really jumped out at me is according to state regulations, and I don't know how strictly this is enforced, if there's fines available, but it's sort of like I think more of a state guideline. Yeah. State of California is that for every acre, or for every let me put it this way, for every thousand residents you have in a town that you should have three acres of park space. That sounds about right. Does it sound about right to you? Three acres of park space for every thousand residents? Yeah, that sounds adequate. Yeah, so now Wildemar has 33,000 residents and has only 15 acres of parkland. So if you do that math of like uh, three acres for every thousand residents, they have 33,000, so that's Three times 33, that's 99 acres is what they should have. Well, they have, you know, they have 15 acres of parkland presently. So 99 minus 15, you know, they're, they're way under what they should have, according to state regulations. So this is uh, what they're trying to remedy, and they've got some plans in place. And it sounds actually pretty good to me. They're going to build some smaller parks that are, like, sports-type parks that will have a soccer field and have a or baseball field and that type of stuff, uh, sports complexes, basketball courts, tennis courts. 
grass areas for kids to run around. That's great. And they're also planning to create some big parks. Like one would be a 27-acre uh, site that would have uh, natural terrain, horse riding trails, and all that kind of stuff, and kind of uh, almost wilderness-like. And so that, that that's great. I'm so I'm glad Will Demar is moving along in that direction, and hopefully, uh, within a year or two, we'll we'll have this in place, and Will Demar will be known as a town with a lot of great parks. And I like the horse riding one just because it kind of uh, pays homage to where what the area was like in the past. Yeah. Well, then there's quite a bit of like open space around Will Demar. I mean, thirty three thousand is a pretty small town. Uh, you know, compared to where you and I used to live in, <laughs> or, yeah. or whatever. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not. So you you can imagine there's a lot of open land around it, and so yeah, I'm looking forward to visiting some of those parks once they're completed. In uh, Marietta, uh, mom is arrested and she's charged with two counts of child abuse. Her three-year-old kid only weighed 15 pounds, um, which we all, even Otter is. She has five kids in total and a few of those are actually um not abused and so it's kind of weird how she just you know seemed to abuse the three-year-old yeah uh, it is pretty weird and of course it's always depressing reporting on these kinds of stories but uh it's something that is going on in my town of murrieta and it's i think people should know that (laughs) these things happen that it's not everything's all not all peaches and cream and it's not Oh, leave it to Beaver, small town Murrieta. So, thing, you know, go <laughs> on. But um, yeah, it, the woman had five kids, uh, two uh, twin three-year-old boys. One of which she brought to the emergency room, and it kind of one of those situations they bring them in, and I, I wasn't there, and it wasn't reported this way, but I can imagine the uh, emergency room workers having sort of horrified looks on their faces when they see a three-year-old kid only weighs 15 pounds. And uh, because that that is not very much weight for a three-year-old because some just born babies weigh almost that much. 12 and 13-pound babies are not that out of the ordinary. So this kid is barely more than that. And he's three years old. So this obviously put some red flags up. And um, they did a little sort of on-the-spot investigating and called the authorities, and she was arrested. She claims that the kid is fed normally and that he's given three meals a day, that he and the other twin uh, were uh, just, she says, always very thin. And, you know, that, that there are kids that are like that, but 15 pounds at three years old is a bit extreme. And But there were other signs of abuse and uh, that, you know, not just starving, that the kids had been beaten and that kind of thing. And so uh, the she has three older kids that don't appear abused in any way. And it's, I, I don't know that that's really that unusual from actually from people I've known personally, uh, families I've known where there has been abuse. Uh, it, it often is one kid gets the brunt of the abuse. It, that is, that's not uncommon for that to happen. I mean, there are cases where all the kids are abused. That that's true too. And but there, it's not it's not that rare for one kid to suffer most of it. And so it appears that that's what happened. Although it would, the, both the twins seem to be abused, one a little worse than the other. And so they all five kids have been taken from the woman. She's been arrested. Uh, she's being held on a hundred seventy thousand dollars bail. 
And uh, as you said, two counts of uh, child abuse. She's facing up to 15 years in prison. And I mean, she's claiming she's innocent. She wasn't abusing the kids. I hope that's true. But I'm thinking if she wasn't abusing the kids and they were that malnourished, um, why did she not bring the kids to the doctor in two years? So they said they hadn't been to the doctor since 2012. You're, you know, kids three and under generally, from what I understand, they're brought to the doctor at least every six months for regular checkups to make sure they're progressing as they should be at that young age. So something is wrong there that they weren't being brought in, especially when you would see the kid is really, if she wasn't abusing them and the kid was, wow, he's not putting on weight. This is kind of scary. I need to have the doctor look at this. And it just seemed that that, that wasn't going on. So the fact that she is saying that she wasn't actively abusing them is a little hard to accept. Yeah, and that's a definitely a sad story that we'll keep an eye on. Um, an interesting number came out. A uh, total sum of all the money that the Inland Empire cities have paid to shut down dispense marijuana dispensaries has been released. What, what the ironic side of this to me is, is if they would embrace it for the additional tax revenue, because we're kind of in this little fog and a haze right now where not a lot of new industries are coming to the states, and it would be nice to get a new form of tax revenue. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> right now in California, as you know, we, we don't have uh, legal recreational weed, but we have legal medicinal which has been in place for almost 20 years now, but it's been an ongoing battle with cities and other municipalities trying to close them down. And, and occasionally a big theme park. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is um, a situation where uh, I think some of the people trying to close these things down mean well, but I think they're, they're not informed. But I think there's a lot, there's a lot going on. It, there's still a lot, there's a lot of fear going on, and people think if you have weed being sold, that it's going to lead to people to doing other drugs, and it's going to create a criminal element. And my thinking is that if you try to stamp it out as much as possible, that creates more of a criminal element because then people are having to go more to a black market. Whereas if you have dispensaries that are well regulated, it, it keeps it above ground. And but the thing is, over uh, let's see, uh, let's see. Uh, the even though public opinion keeps going more and more towards legal weed, the authorities in the Inland Empire, Riverside County, still keep staying on the path of trying to stamp out the dispensaries. And uh, they've spent $1.85 million in legal battles to shut down dispensaries over the last few years. Uh, leading the way is the city of Riverside, $804 thousand dollars so you'd think that uh money that could be better spent otherwise wouldn't you yeah there's a ton of different ways that uh, that money could be better spent i don't know higher you know raising teacher salaries that would be a good way to spend it well right and and you bring up the tax issue i'm not sure exactly what the tax issue is with the dispensaries i don't know that that's a, a big thing because i think these things are kind of operating as uh non-profits for the most part oh i see and uh but now if we go the colorado route and for full legalization we've got a big amount of, of tax revenue then available and I think that that could be a great thing. We could offset any concerns people have about this is going to lead to this or that and, and have a certain amount of that tax revenue go toward 
uh, rehab for people that do have trouble with marijuana or any kind of drug. We could do that. We could, you know, then just use that to go into the general fund, use it for education. There's all kinds of things that it, it could be put to use on this huge amount of tax revenue. Whatever Colorado's getting in their tax revenues, I'm sure we would get much more in California. Oh, yeah, definitely. Robert Larson, he comes to us from the other side of Cleveland National Forest. Thanks for joining us from the show this morning, Robert. Okay, it's my pleasure. And, of course, you are listening to The Heather McCoy Show.